Hey, Green Future Growers! Welcome to Season 3. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Beyer. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes for free or follow on your favorite podcast app. And let's get growing! directly to the Green Organic Gardener podcast. Help pay for things like just hosting the MP3 files, maintaining the website... You know, I don't mind doing the work, but I could sure use some help with like some of the things, especially as we've had to tighten our belts this year. You can buy me a cup of coffee where your donation goes directly to support us. It comes in just like $5 increments. Uh, It's like a one-time thing. I think you can subscribe, but if you just want to donate $5, if you want to donate $10, $15, that'd be awesome. Buy me a cup of coffee. Thank you so much for listening. You're the best. But I did get your cute little book in the mail about getting everything you need to know about hemp, CBD, and medicinal gardening. Although, true disclaimer, I haven't read the whole book or anything near it. I did, I did come through it. It is so packed full of information. It's amazing. My husband picked up. He's like, "Oh my goodness, this is like a." a medical book this woman has here holy information so uh, well thank you i strive to make every word count i absolutely hate picking up a book and you know getting like three pages worth of information and the rest is all like anecdotal story so i'm the reverse (laughs) I, I, i like to pack the information and i want people to get their money's Yes, I absolutely garden. So my first book prior to this is called Getting Laid, which is about chickens gardening and preserving. I'm excited to hear about that, too. Uh, Because I recently, like, we've had chickens for 20 years, but they've kind of always been my husband's domain. And only in the last year, really, have I if maybe a little longer really had anything to do with them i've just fallen in love with the chickens although it's been very heartbreaking because something yes. got my little pet chicken oh i don't know what yeah but it's heartbreaking i know but our other chicken that we have she's been letting me like pick her up and like i had no <laughs> i didn't yeah. know chickens were soft <laughs> I always thought chickens were like going to be poking hard and biting me and like they're so sweet and she just like lets me pet her sometimes and we had a grizzly bear come through so we have to like bring them in every night and they actually sleep in cages in our bathtub till my husband gets like an electric fence built and oh wow um, and figures that out yeah we have had chickens for 25 years I mean we've had chickens almost since the beginning um we've been married for 27 years now and we've had chickens for a long time like even before we had running water and um and i always stayed away from them because i i have a really hard time keeping things in cages and fish and fish tanks and stuff like that and i always wanted them to run free and like recently i realized like our chicken pen is actually one of the nicest places for chickens to live in like 
the world. Like they have these bushes <laughs> that keep them that like they don't pet it as so they have bushes that give them shade in the summer and other than the predator problem, um right. Which we did have a big problem once when I convinced my husband to let them out not into the garden but into the forest and our neighbor dogs were able to break into that gate um uh, and wiped out a couple of batches a couple of times that way but then he fixed that gate and patched it back up and then in the last two years there's just been a huge issue with grizzly bears in our neighborhood and so now the fish wildlife and parks people are like you have to put electric fence up you have to put electric fence up and the first time they posted that, we were like, oh, we don't need electric fence. We've lived here for 20 years and never had a problem and always had the chickens. And they came through and got one batch. And we had a chicken survive it. And she laid a, or she had, we had just had chickens lay eggs. And they were the first time we had chicken babies, like, actually grow up from chickens and one of the babies survived the attack. Like, after 30 days, all of a sudden, this chicken comes out of the woods, out of somewhere. I don't know where it was. And so we had that chicken for, like, I don't know how long. And I finally get her a rooster. And two days later, here comes the grizzly bear back. Ugh. And then, and got both of them. And then I got three baby chicks last summer. So July, I don't know when, but one chick didn't make it through the night. We had two. And then two days later, here comes the grizzly bear and rips the entire back wall off of the chicken pen. Their nests are gone. The wall is gone. Then he came back to it. And, and then we started bringing him up to the house and keeping him in the bathroom. And then he came back and tore through our orchard, destroyed like rip branches oh and the fruit trees, destroyed the fence. And um, so now Mike is like, it's just getting to the point where he can dig into the ground. The frost is gone that he can put some new poles in, fix the fence, get that back. But he has so much. Uh, it's like, you know, he's trying to put up a new hoop house and like cut down the forest land and make room for a new hoop house this year and you know we're almost like usually he plant starts planning april 7th to the 14th it has just been right. and he's got to deal with the chicken pen so Ugh. anyway long story i've short, heard they're destructive our, but my goodness well mike thinks it's because so many people we have so many people moving in so we're in northwest montana and we've seen huge growth in the last year i mean with the pandemic it's insane but even okay, right. before we were seeing just new people kind of moving in and he thinks it's people having more free roaming chickens and the bears just got the taste for the chickens and now and it's like you see on facebook it's like oh we had the bear on this creek and it's headed your way and people have posted my grandson got a picture of it on his go cam and my neighbor's daughter got a picture of it it's a huge bear <laughs> and it's just uh it's weird you know you see this giant bear <laughs> my mom's right? always like i can't believe you go and i just want to see the bear and i hike up in the woods and i usually see cows i never see a bear i carry my bear spray but i'm much more likely to encounter a field of cat because it's free range in montana right, and so right. people will put their 
cows up there in the summertime. I have to say, I usually don't go hike on that road. Like now in the spring till the road, the road's closed until June 15th. And I usually don't go hike up there, but I have this dog. I did go up there the other day. I'm a little more nervous because they're just coming out of their dens. They can't get up high because there's still too much snow than I am during the summer months. But usually I'm teaching full time and I can't get up there right now anyway, but I'm not teach. I'm working from home this year anyway. Barb, I don't know why I'm going into all this because you said you wrote a book about chickens. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's great. Anyway, <laughs> let's introduce you and talk about you and getting baked and everything you need to know about hemp CBD and medicinal gardening. Maybe you can help me with my rosemary and some other things. And uh, and I'm sure you'll have tons of golden seeds for listeners. I will try. I do always tell everybody at the beginning of the interview, it's super easy to edit. So if you need to let your dog out or get a drink or anything, like don't hesitate to put me on hold. Ugh. Do you have any questions for me? I'm sorry. You cut out for a second. So I missed I hope I part just, of that. Hope I didn't just ruin my mic. I kind of tickle I've been having a problem with my mic this morning. Uh, I can hear you now just perfectly, yeah, so I'm not no, sure it what it was. Work. Okay, uh, I'll keep my hands off my mic. Uh, <laughs> I said, Do you have any questions for me? Um, well, I've gotten to know a bit about you now, so that's really awesome. I was going to ask you where you were, and you told me. Mm -hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about the podcast, though, because I don't know, um, as much I know you have the green organic gardener podcast which seems pretty self-explanatory but still what's what's your goal what are you um hoping uh to talk well, to me about that i might be able to help I, the readers i was the organic gardener podcast for five years and last december um which was great because i interviewed jeff lowenfelds i don't know if you know him he wrote the teaming with microbes and teaming with nutrients and teaming with what's the other one i don't know the teaming with series and then he right. had just written the cannabis diy cannabis but he's like the one of the leading soil authorities up in alaska i changed it to the green because i was trying to niche down and my audience is like green future growers who want to see um like an environment like we're interested in the whole world going green and organic i mean my listeners do tell me they want to know how to grow a better tomato how to be more productive but also i feel like there's tons of podcasts out there and i definitely support the green new deal i argue with my mom all the time my brother because they can't stand alexandria queso cortez but i love her and jeff Lowenfeld <laughs> goes he comes on and he's the first interview after i've changed my name and he's like my motto for 2020 is what would greta do you know like he i just feel like my audience is just a little more dedicated to climate change and okay. creating an environmentally sustainable future and just you know supporting now i did do a big thing about the 15 dollars minimum wage and green new jobs and nobody has like taken me up on any of that stuff so maybe it's in my imagination my husband was like quit talking about politics <laughs> he's like you're alienating people just teach people how to grow food so i don't know where we're going 
but we both are huge hemp advocates. We used to have a hemp business back in the early 90s. I am super frustrated that I can't grow my own hemp, my own cannabis. We just legalized cannabis for recreational use in Montana, but they're working, our Republican governor and legislature is working on making it so you can't grow it yourself, you can't sell it, you can possess it, but you can't buy it. Where you're going to get it, I don't know. It's super expensive to grow hemp here. Like You have to have like a $450 permit, um, which I'm frustrated because I want to be able to grow my own hemp seeds and hemp oil because as um, a pescatarian who doesn't really get to eat a lot of fish, people are always like, you should, you know, eat hemp powder and you should use hemp right. oil and it's really good for you for hemp. And then we would love to build like a hemp straw bale house and grow fields of hemp and have access to hemp. And then we're in this huge logging place where the, you know, Plum Creek left because they cut down most of the logs that were of any value they didn't leave because the environmental shut them down they cut down you know we would like to see paper products and building materials made out of hemp and plastics that will biodegrade out of hemp and cbd products out there and just there's so many things hemp can do you know and then there's the rick simpson cannabis oil like that they say cures cancer you know like I'm just really frustrated with the whole hemp cannabis movement. Meanwhile, people can have AK-47s. I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) um, No, I am too. Hence why I wrote a book. And I definitely wanted consumers to know what was out there, what was available, and, and, uh, you know, how they could access it at the moment. Yeah. And people should be able to grow as much hemp plants in their backyards as tomato plants and you know, it's like, and then I see people posting in Facebook groups, oh, it's a gateway drug. You know what? Walk into the town pump and show me how many beer and wine coolers are available right next to the juice that the kids can't buy. Cigarettes at the counter. Want to talk to me about gateway drugs? That's right. so much worse for you. Um, but again... Here we are, 19 minutes in. I haven't even introduced you, and I've been doing all the talking. So I'm going to be quiet. Here we go. Uh, That's a little bit about my audience. Uh, Perfect. Well, we're in sync. I will not get political because it's something I don't do, but um, I'm in sync with your audience and your point of view in terms of uh, greening up the earth and our environment and living in um, symbiotic kind of... uh, lifestyle sustainable lifestyle where we're taking care of the planet which is a living organism just as well as we are yeah oh and then a lot of it started when i interviewed tara keaton down at the rodale institute was talking about how good it is for our soils and as a cover crop and like that's where i kind of like started Mm -hmm. researching and was like wow look at all these hemp farms they have in colorado and oregon and like washington and like I had no idea. And then there's that whole business piece to it. So 
anyway let yeah. me introduce you that being said i do have like a ton of new listeners so i haven't really turned anybody off like my audience has grown huge in the last 12 months there's Fantastic. according to my stats about 1200 people listening most of the time and most episodes have been getting close to 2000 downloads so i don't know <laughs> that's where i'm at numbers wise whatever that means so um it's a pretty big room so anyway here we go and welcome all you new listeners because um something happened on november 29th that we did get a bunch of new listeners and then i was on this homestead virtual summit recently it seems like the numbers have been going up since then and just you know i think there's a big gardening trend in 2020 and 2021 so Anyway, here we go. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Tuesday, April 6, 2021. And I have an awesome guest from Shepherdsville, Kentucky. Here is Barb Webb to talk to us about her new book, Getting Baked, Everything You Need to Know About Hemp, CBD, and Medicinal Gardening. But I will say she has an awesome website that goes deep into all sorts of great things there, too. So welcome to the show, Barb. Thank you, Jackie. It's an honor to be here. And um, I'm loving our conversation. I think impromptu conversations are the best. So this is this is fantastic. Um, glad to interact with your audience. And like I said, I think we're all on the same page. Well, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background. And I'm shutting my mic off. <laughs> so I literally <laughs> have to turn it back on to interrupt. It's all good. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying getting to know you. A uh, little bit about myself. Well, I, as you said, I have a website. It's called ruralmom.com, and I've operated that for about 12 years now. I am an organic green gardener, and I'm very much uh, an environmentally friendly, uh, sustainable living expert. I've been in this field for about 20 years. I think you said you, you've owned tw chickens for um, about the same amount of time I did. And... Uh, Basically, I, I came from a city background, so I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. I knew nothing about farming, but I knew a lot about conserving. I uh, came from a you know, blue-collar family, and um, my parents, my grandparents were all about reusing, recycling, reducing waste. So that, that's something I grew up with, which was fantastic, gave me a great foundation. I moved out to the country when I was in my 20s, and I decided to buy a farm, which kind of hysterical that's what you do right uh, I knew nothing <laughs> so, uh, but being a researcher by trade I've always been a writer and a researcher and I worked in the tech field for many many years as a technical writer I um, learned everything I absolutely could from interviewing people I'm a, a journalist by nature uh, that's what I went to college for so very inquisitive and I began to learn so much that people were coming to me and realized at that point where I had a lot of knowledge to share that, that people just didn't know. And that's when I started the website and got into writing mainstream books and articles in this field. Um, I've been passionate about hemp as you have for many long, long time. It's an incredible plant. It's been stigmatized as you mentioned, which is just crazy. And I think it's coming, though. I think there's hope on the horizon. There are states that are beginning to allow home gardeners to grow and develop. Of course, Denver is obviously leading the way in this uh, entire revolution. 
that we're seeing, but I also realized, especially when CBD came onto the market as an early adopter of that particular medicine, medicinal, um, you know, natural medicinal, I uh, saw so much confusion and nobody really knows what they're doing. So I saw a need to share again that experience and became this, this book. <laughs> so. Well, why don't you go into some of that? Because it, it like that's what drives me the craziest is like the lack of information and meanwhile by having it be prohibited we just push all that information underground and and not getting it out there and that's what creates a lot of the dangers and and people doing things they shouldn't be doing with it so you know you've got this amazing documented journey why don't you go in and maybe i don't know like are there myths and 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 things you can tell us that are true about it and not true oh absolutely there's an entire chapter on that <laughs> so uh you know really dug in deep and as we talked about in the beginning conversation it drives me nuts when people don't so i'm probably overkill on research i talked to many people there's i've cited a lot of people i've done a lot of interviews with experts in the field it's all in this book, but I think the main myth, as you mentioned earlier, that people can't get over, and it's just because it was stigmatized in culture, what, back in the 20s, 30s, um, that cannabis as a plant as a whole, which would include what we politely refer to as hemp, right, because hemp is a low THC plant, yeah. THC being what makes you euphoric, Um cannabis as a whole including that strain has just been demonized and was classed as a drug uh, in in league with heroin which is just insane <laughs> you know, no, no one's ever uh, died from cannabis directly it's um it's very bizarre so it actually has come down now in terms of what schedule uh, drug it is it's no longer on the same level as heroin which is progress and you are seeing a lot of state, states come forward and, uh, you know, changing it to recreational use, of course, with still some pretty stringent parameters, um, although other states are opening up and Canada, of course, has an entirely different take than the U.S. So, I mean, there's hope on the horizon. I think there's enough of us in the grassroots movement. I think there's enough people seeing the true value of this that it's not just about the euphoria. It's not like picking up a beer, as you said. You know, but even a glass of wine has medicinal properties, right? So there's, if you can relate it, you know, maybe you get euphoric from a few glasses of wine, but um, it's proven for women over 50, drinking two glasses of wine or two to three glasses of wine a week is actually super uh, heart healthy. So there are medicinal qualities to some of these things that we stigmatize. And uh, hemp happens, you know, to be the sort of redheaded stepchild, right, <laughs> of the cannabis industry that sort of just got uh, abused and neglected. And it can do so many powerful things. Uh, you know, there's about 20 to 30,000 uses for hemp, as you mentioned, some of them. And that's something we really need to look at. And as we look at different um, compounds within the cannabis plant, like CBD, which has a dramatic anti-inflammatory property as well as some other really interesting and neat things like sleep inducing uh, and uh, you know pain reducing in people 
the anti-inflammatory property in CBD alone, as it's been tested in Canada, is 30 times more powerful than an aspirin. So why are we not looking to these things? And we have to get past this whole myth that cannabis you know, has been demonized. And that was primarily because of the drug industry that actually took this plant that had strong medicinal properties and people were benefiting from and said, no, 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 no. We've got to create synthetics. We need something we can make money from. We need something that we can control. We don't want people growing this in their backyard and getting their own pain cures, correct? And that's, well, that's how and that all came about. Well, not only that, by being underground and pushing people into closets and growing their own, people ended up trying to get the most potent thing they could get from the smallest plant because they didn't want and that's where we ended up getting these super over powerful like i feel like i've talked to a lot of women and maybe it's also because i read that book the new chardonnay have you heard have you heard of that book that heather cabot came out with and no, um, women sure. want less powerful um i i feel like i've talked to a lot of women that talk about like the stuff that people is growing is so potent and just wipes you out and and it's like that's part of where this problem is coming from like by pushing it underground and people like trying to get the most potency like that's where this high-powered stuff is coming from and like wouldn't it be nice if if people could have varieties and like some that's like good for when you got home from work or you know different than you know what you i don't know just anyway um but no, yeah absolutely. and then and then also like you're talking about like would you you know an aspirin you know people don't think about taking an aspirin and driving down the road you know it's something that's whereas like taking something that's more potent than a two glasses of wine you don't want to drive down you know the road and but meanwhile because it's not regulated and people are just doing whatever you know there's no dosage on the side of the thing or the dosages are it's very hard to control the dosages and and different things like and i've still heard about what i just heard about the other day somebody getting their whole hemp crop wiped out because the thc level ended up being too high you know because it's kind of a hard thing to control yeah. when you're growing a plant but anyway, you were going to talk about some of the uses. I don't know if I threw you off there. It's just one of oh, my Oh, no, that's okay. This, <laughs> it's all good stuff, and it's all true. Um, we are seeing, though, in, in states like Denver, where, as you said, um, a variety of uses. So, yes, by driving it underground, we basically demonized it and said all hemp was good for, or all cannabis was good for, was the euphoric effect. So, of course, people yeah. cultivated the plants to have more THC, more euphoric effect. And that's what we began to see. Now, hemp itself was still being used for things like rope and uh, foreign countries have been using it for many years for a variety of things. But uh, and not just for the euphoric effect in the United States, we seem to do that. And clothing. Now, and what else? Uh, I'm reading yeah. uh, the guy oh, plastic, from Dr. Clothing. Bronner's. Yeah, you they can make use hemp in their fuel out of it. There's so many things. So yeah, I, there, there's just so many uses for it. It's incredible. 
Uh, we could solve the plastic crisis if we just made hemp plastics. Uh, you know, so, so this is something <laughs> we have to really, Yes, they do. They do. So this is something we really have to get on board with as, as a planet, as a community across the world. Um, so, you know, there's, Okay, you know, it's there's so much to discuss. I I am a little lost. Where are we at? Um, I don't know. I'm looking through your book, and it starts out with <laughs> getting well. Are you ready to get baked? Medicinal plants are affordable, accessible, effective, empowering. Medicinal plants are not a cure. If you find a medicinal plant or plant extract that cures your ailments, that's fantastic. Yes. So, that, but that's another myth too. Is so a lot of people are looking towards cannabis, as you said, curing cancer. Um, there are not cures coming out of the medicinal world, but what they are are a huge support and a huge piece of what you can do to alleviate an ailment. And that's important. So people with rheumatoid arthritis are benefiting from CBD like crazy. It's, it's not a cure, but it alleviates their symptoms. People with epilepsy, there is actually a patented CBD drug, right? That's um, not a cure, but it alleviates their symptoms. Uh, people are using THC heavy cannabis, you know, when they have cancer. Again, it's not necessarily curing it, but it's helping to alleviate their symptoms and helping their body to cure the disease. So there's the big thing. We have to use these things in synergy with our body. Our bodies are self, their self itself is capable of curing us. Our but body itself- is actually posting now that that Rick Simpson cannabis oil yeah. is proven to kill cancer cells in lab animals and other which i was shocked to see now how you know it's webmd but yeah. i do go to webmd a lot for uh just anything that's my number one site that i do whenever i have any questions about um you know do i have the stomach flu or do i have any side. kind of like there to me but anyway, we have all sorts of other things. But we don't in, have we, we don't have human trials. So we, to say yeah, that, and we don't have the research right. because it's. But like you have a CBD product tractor, wellness log, shopping list, cultivating a medicinal garden. Yeah, oh, there's a lot in the book. <laughs> so basically what I wanted to teach people is that not only hemp and CBD are wonderful medicinal products that can help alleviate and support your health needs, um, but there's also just regular herbs that we're using. You mentioned rosemary and struggling to grow it. Uh, rosemary is fantastic for many things. Um, it has great medicinal properties. It's also great if you grow rosemary and make a hair rinse out of it. It makes your hair nice and shiny and soft. So, I mean, there, there's so many different things that these herbs do that we're not utilizing them for. Rosemary is obviously a great culinary tool. I mean, it tastes fantastic. But there's so many things we're not doing with it from an aromatherapy standpoint to a, like I said, a medicinal hair tea to taking it, you know, for various um, ailments that we might have or in support of our immune systems or whatever 
um, you're looking for. Rosemary is a fantastic digestive aid. So using it, um, if you have digestive problems, brewing a tea out of it, it also is a, an immune booster. Uh, it, when taken in higher doses, it actually helps our bodies produce a better immune system. So all of these things, again, um, my main point is they're not necessarily cures. And, and CBD may wind up being a cure for humans. We, we just don't know yet. Um, at this point, what we do know is that it works synergistically with our body. It has been put on this earth to supplement our body and to help us with the basic needs that we have from immune system to sleep, to headache relief, to skin care, everything on this planet um, seems to have been designed to work synergistically. We all support each other. So that's sort of um, the theme of the book is looking at these basic herbs and these things that have been stigmatized and how they can actually work in your life to create a better holistic system for yourself. I'm so, loving course, this page 91 <laughs> in here that says, not just for the bees and butterflies, growing edible flowers, like yep. um, you were speaking of immune system booster, chives, lavender, mustard, nasturtiums, pansies, thyme, and wild rose. Like this book, it talks about alleviating, alleviating stress, calendula, lavender, mustard, sage, wild rose, lifting your mood, relieving headaches, sleep enhancers, digestive aids, inflammation reduction. Like, talk to us about this growing edible flowers in your medicinal garden. Yeah. So, in the, same, in the same way that we look at herbs, and I sort of Wild flowers have always been a part of my medicinal garden, as well as some of them come from herbs like lavender, right? Uh, mustard flowers, things of that nature. They're actually coming from herbs we're using for other purposes. But the flowers themselves have medicinal properties and are edible. And it's really interesting. I think the one that people are most familiar with is rose. Rose water is very popular no. in the... No, yeah, it is very popular in the cosmetic industry. You can buy rose water. It's an astringent, good for your face. Um, people drink rose water and, and cook with it now. It's actually fairly common in the restaurant industry. So that's um, some, but, but there's not enough known about it and not, um, people don't realize that you can actually grow it, you know, pick the rose hips or the leaves and use them for specific needs. You can drink rose water and it is a great inflammation redu re reducer. Does it it's have great. to be certain kind of roses? Yes. So what you want to grow is what's called a wild rose. And I do talk about that in the book and, and tell about how to harvest it, how to grow it. But uh, you want to grow ro wild roses have rose hips. Domestic roses or those that are cultivated for your florist perhaps do not. And so they're not going to have the same use. And there are a variety of different um, wild roses, but if you look it up online right now, you can find, you just type in wild rose seeds or wild rose plants and you'll find them available for sale. Pretty much any seed company. If you don't have them naturally on your property. Now I do have some naturally in our forest, which is kind of cool. And then I've um, actually purchased a few heirloom rose varieties that uh, 
I grow out front as part of my landscaping, but then I also use the roses for medicinal purposes. So that's something I talk about in the book too, which is really cool is you can actually use all of these herbs, herbs, um, spices, roses, any flower as just part of your, you know, create your entire property into an edible landscape that's it's not only great for the bees and butterflies and the wildlife in your area, but it's fantastic for you when used in the right way. You know, it's interesting for like <laughs> 15 years, I had a bottle of rose water in my purse and that was like the only perfume I ever wore. And I would spray myself with rose water like 20 times a day. I never knew any of that and we have wild roses like for my wedding when I got married it was like the sweetest thing like my husband's friends brought us gifts so many people that I had never even met came to our wedding and brought us gifts and this one woman brought me a rose hip necklace that I still I still have like in a box those rose hips that from that necklace that she made me um that's still like i'll open the box and it still smells beautiful um but i had no idea that people drank the water or that um i could really make it from my own like i just buy a bottle of the um what is it like the extract the essential yeah. oil mm -hmm. and mix it with some water um that's just what i've always done Right, and, and you filled, could refill my water bottle. The instructions are I in the see book. The, yeah, I see that here. Um, you, you can do that yourself. You can make your own rose water. You could make it uh, into an extract that you could use for your perfume. Absolutely. Um, there's there's so many. I also have a recipe in here. It's my favorite for a cardamom rose uh, mug cake. Which and I what does that to. do? Well, it's just a great way to use. So again, with, with I've tried to cover absolutely every way to use all of these medicinal garden um, pieces within your lifestyle. So I added some recipes. Um, so you're ingesting it. Obviously, it's just a treat, but it has some great things in it um, that, you know, Rose obviously does a bunch of different things from inflammation re reduction to, you know, boosting your immune system and it's so it's getting it within the concentrated form but also adding it to your natural way of living so perhaps using it in recipes to get a little boost in terms of of what you're doing um, I'm also teaching people to do that and that one in particular I showing people how you can put CBD in recipes because a lot of people do not like to ingest CBD directly so I wanted to take that into consideration um, because if you don't have uh, an enhancer in a CBD oil, it definitely tastes like you just put a mouthful of hemp in your mouth. And so I'm and that's not very tasty. For a lot of people, it's not. <laughs> I can't say I'm a huge fan either. Um, well, that's you know, one so of the I'm, big complaints in that um, Chardonnay book is is that they came up with like some kind of clear liquid that um, because it was the taste that people like this 
it's it's really about some chef guy who like developed a way to get rid of the taste of the hemp and develop this liquid um, that they're drinking that's like a clear liquid that doesn't have the hemp flavor but man this book has so much more i should have looked at, i'm sorry i should have looked at it a little closer before we got on the call um but uh because it goes a lot further than hemp like i just love all this about growing your medicinal because i've always grown herbs mostly just for the culinary purposes but a lot of these um you have both in here like the culinary and the medicinal mixed together um like i'm reading here the herbs the spices that pair well with chicken and corn and fish and artichokes and asparagus and what goes with which i just gave my friend felicia i grew these peppers that you can make in it says makes a great paprika and you've got here goes with, with artichokes cauliflower celery act chicken corn eggs fish potatoes pumpkin squash sweet potatoes tomatoes and turkey um parsley rosemary saffron sage tarragon thyme turmeric like you just medicinal garden thyme soup what would we use that for and, and you could just enjoy it tip, i love this yeah so you could enjoy it naturally as uh just a great soup because it is and it has a lot of great herbs in it and properties but it's actually very good if you have a cold because thyme is a natural i see uh, that packed with reliever yeah antioxidants mood boosting scent potential health benefits yes so thyme is really good for easing congestion too it, it's my favorite go-to soup when I'm not feeling well. In fact, I had a lot of it when I had COVID last year and uh, it was, it, you know, it does work. It's great. Herbs can really help support our bodies in many ways. And that's what I wanted to illustrate. Also the, what's not so clear to most people is, okay, Barb, why are you talking about CBD and hemp and medicinal herbs? Like you said, it, it goes so much deeper than just hemp. There's a connection. And there's a huge connection. Hemp is basically an herb. And a lot of the oh, same absolutely. properties, yeah, a lot of the same properties that you find in hemp, you're going to find in other herbs. Like, for example, lavender contains linalool, which is a terpene that is found in hemp. And so they complement each other so well that if you're using, my point of this was, if you're using hemp or CBD to alleviate certain things within your body, whether it's, you know, pain reduction, you want, uh, you want to get some sleep, you want to alleviate insomnia, whatever you're doing, you can use these complementary herbs. And when you do that, the synergy between them is just amazing because they contain some of the similar components so for example, if you add lavender with your CBD, well, wow, you really got a relaxer there because they both have similar attributes, but yet each one takes it a little step further in its own direction. And so when you put the two together, they make an amazing relaxer. Uh, when you, you know, put chamomile in addition to your CBD, 
well, you should sleep like a baby <laughs> because one of them is a sedative and the other one enhances your deep sleep. So the combination of those two things just elevates both of the plants to a different level. And, and so that's why I paired them because I don't think most people understand the connection. We're all sort of looking for one solitary thing that helps. Oh, I'm going to go use cannabis to alleviate this, or I'm going to go use CBD uh, to alleviate this. And you're not looking outside that box of what else is in nature that works synergistically with these things so that you're truly taking it to a different level. And, and the you're really research addressing. you've done, like here you've got that little, little terpene goes with basil, bee balm, citrus, coriander, lavender, marjoram, mint, oregano, rose, and thyme. And then there's, you know, just pages about which ones go with which and how to, mm -hmm. how to mix them. And then, yeah there's there's sleeping which is so important to be able to get a decent amount of sleep but also like you're talking about you know like how long have i been looking for a, a an alternative to chicken noodle soup besides one year my husband made me fresh corn soup that was when i was really sick but how often can you get fresh corn soup you know Ooh, right. peaches with CBD and honey ricotta. <gasps> Doesn't that sound good? CBD honey tarragon <laughs> dressing. Grilled chicken with fresh CBD marijuana. CBD infused garlic mashed potatoes. Ooh, there's the cardigan rose CBD mud cake. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so chocolate <laughs> heavy cream and CBD oil. Yes, I added all my favorite recipes for sure. Uh, there's many ways to cook with CBD and herbs, and I certainly uh, spent a chapter telling people how to do that, different tips. I actually interviewed chefs too, which you'll find in the book, uh, to get their tips and their experience. And I interviewed a few um, chefs that normally work with cannabis and CBD products in their cooking. And uh, then I added in, of course, my favorite ways. Now, I'm I'm personally not the biggest fan of cooking with CBD because I'm okay with ingesting it other ways. So I think that's just sort of a hassle. It doesn't really um, enhance the flavor of the recipe. It, it doesn't do much for a recipe, but for some people who are just really sensitive to the taste, it's a great way to just incorporate it into your lifestyle and get the CBD that you need and the herbs that boost that experience for you. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I got lost I in the, um, the looking through. Oh my goodness. This book, I got to tell you, listeners, there is so much information packed in there. Well, let's like look at the questions really quick. So what did grow well in your garden this year? Barb, I have to ask, my very first question is like, what's your original garden memory like who were you with what did you grow like what's your very first memory of being in the garden outside of chicago which i'm also a city girl i grew up 20 minutes from new york okay cool um so my first memories of the garden are actually in chicago and um my mother didn't grow very many vegetables but she did grow flowers but my neighbor was Italian and she was from Italy. And so she had a full portage garden. 
in her little, you know, what you've got a quarter acre in the city, <laughs> maybe a very small plot, but she utilized her entire backyard. And I would often stay there after school because my mother worked downtown and I would help Lita in her garden. And that fascinated me. And the smells that came from this woman's house, let me tell you, <laughs> you know, she was Italian cook. So the oregano, the garlic, you know, Oh, the rosemary and I was thrilled by this at a very young age to see that type of um, uh, activity going on within the city and I think so that's my first gardening experience it's my first joy also my grandmother lived in Florida which I was kind of lucky as a kid I got to vacation down there in the summer and um, they retired down there and she used a lot of fresh produce she didn't necessarily grow it but she grew really fascinating things like aloe and my first experience with that is she used it on my sunburn and I I you know I was eight nine years old and realized holy cow like like this thing from the ground just cooled off my sunburn and and made everything so better how fascinating is that and it was to me as a child. And so that developed a really a lifelong interest in um, moving into this. From a very young age, I had some huge influences. My first gardening experience on my own, like I said, I bought a farm. <laughs> so that was crazy. And I, I, I Now, is like, that plotted. the farm that you're at now <laughs> in Kentucky? It's not. I was up in Minnesota. I moved to Minnesota. And uh, at a young age. And then how did you get to Kentucky? So my husband um, works in the airline industry. And we've moved around a bit, but he's from Kentucky. And so we we landed up here. We we have a 15-acre farm now, which is just a sustainable farm for us. And love it. (laughs) my first gardening experience though I went nuts and planted like two acres I think it was just insane and of course got like a hundred chickens and I knew nothing and I just researched and read and I went and talked to my farmer neighbors who were the best resource for anything these people had been doing it all their lives What was having 200 chickens like, or 100 chickens, like for laying eggs or broiler chickens or both? Or I did both. Um, so it was kind of insane. <laughs> it, it taught me so much. I, I'm that kind of person. I, I dive right in. And, uh, you know, my biggest concern was keeping them alive because I didn't want to um, jeopardize anything. Even with the garden, my biggest concern was how do I keep all of this alive and thriving and, and how do I use it? And I had so much garden excess that I wound up getting pigs to eat the excess. It's kind of crazy, but uh, <laughs> in that I learned so much about nature and animals and everything works and, and nothing, nothing has to be wasted. For the chickens, I, I did, you know, grow them for both meat and eggs because my, my point at that point was I want to become sustainable. I just want to be my own kind of little produce store. Why are we wasting all these miles bringing everything to these places? I realized like way back then what was happening in the world and how we just had 
removed ourselves from this farming culture as a society and not understanding how much we can actually grow ourselves, even if you live in an apartment. You don't have to be importing things from uh, a different country, for example. So that's sort of what my mindset was. And I dug right in and I was working 60 hours a week and gardening 60 hours a week. It was, you know, it was crazy. What was the struggle with with keeping them alive? Was it predators or feeding them all or? Yeah. I mean, number one, I knew. Like how much room did you have a pen? Like, I can't even imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. So literally I didn't know a lot. So that was like, I wanted to keep them alive and healthy and happy. Uh, you know, so I was staying up late at night, just burning through books and talking to local farmers. And thank God I had a, a farmer next door who raised ducks. So they were able to teach me a lot about what kind of space they needed. And I had a huge, huge fence and because we did have predators. Yes. Um, so that was, you know, another thing. And I lost uh, two right on early on from a predator. I didn't realize, um, you know, that possums and raccoons will attack your chickens. And so I, you know, was able to set up a fenced in area where they could free range without that concern. Uh, It was quite a big area, uh, quite a big fenced in area that I had for them and a really nice big house that I built that they could um, roost and lay eggs in and, and be happy. Of course, a lot of the meat ones, you know, you only keep for about a year max before you're going to reduce that so I did reduce down to just the layers at that point and you realize that chickens are also great I I imagine you do use them for composting as well I didn't know that early on but I realized that they could be great composters of a lot of the herbs and some of those things were very good for them too so I learned so much about that through research, through trial and error, and managed to keep the majority of them alive. So I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, over the years, I've continued to. And like you mentioned earlier, they are just great. People don't realize how domestic chickens can be. They are very friendly uh, domestic pets. Roosters, yeah, you know, they, they can go either way. But hens, for the most part, um, love to be loved and love attention and love great herbs and food and sprouts and and everything else that you can pass their way. Hey, Progressive Radio Network listeners, thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to hear the full interview and the rest of um, the getting to the root of things, just go to the Organic Gardener podcast dot com and click on the podcast tab and you can listen to the full show. You can see all the show notes. Thanks for joining us today. Want to donate directly to the show? You can buy me a cup of coffee where your donation goes directly to support the Green Organic Garden podcast. It helps for thing, pay for things like hosting the MP3 files, maintaining the website. It's super easy. I'll put the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.